Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. Are they considering banning natural gas usage in your area? If so, gas heaters may be banned for new builds and remodels. Do you understand heat pump capabilities? Learn from heat pump manufacturer AquaCal as they describe how their heat pump works and if ambient temperature is really an issue. Listen up. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with co-host. Dave Rockwell. Hey, Dave. Happy to have you all back. Thanks. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Happy to have you all back and listening. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see our faces, but you can also listen, of course, um, via audio on Spotify, iTunes, any way you'd like to listen. And you can do that while you're driving, which makes it a little more convenient. We have a good conversation today that many people are talking about, especially in the state of California, decarbonization. I know that word sometimes confuses people, but really it's talking about reducing emissions, a gas and carbon emissions, and California is pretty aggressive in regards to that. And we have two guests today that are people that are going to talk about other options besides gas heaters, because with decarbonization, which has been passed in the state of California over several years, the governor has passed it, and that it's going to be, I think, a, a several year process. I think 2445 is the goal to, to have everything reduced. So it's a, it's a series of years that they're gonna have little things implementing every year to try to meet the goal of 2045. But what's happening in the state of California is there are particular cities that are actually adopting the, what we call reach codes prior to the state having this implemented. So you'll, I think 32 cities thus far have adopted, right oh, 35, have yeah. adopted reach codes in California. And so they are actually implementing uh, these decarbonization or restrictor versions of what the state is trying to do now or with new buildings or new um, remodels, things like that. And Don, I know you know a lot about this too because you've been working, but before I get started, let me introduce our guest. Don Tucci is the Western Regional Manager of AquaCal. Did I say that right, Don? Don Touch. Don Touch. Tooch. Dang, I thought it was Tooch for sure. It's okay. I've been called worse. Uh, yeah, you've been called worse. Me too. And then Jeff Tawney, who is the VP of AquaCal, they're both here. Thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Our Thank pleasure. You. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Don, I know you know a lot about the decarbonization rules and things that are happening in California. Do you want to give us a brief update of what you are know to be true in California? So, what I know to be true in California is that, by as you mentioned, in 2045, they adopted a decarbonization where they want to have to reduce all the uh, emissions, uh, gas emissions. So right now they, the cities and municipalities are doing these reach codes. And uh, in case anybody doesn't know what a reach code is, it basically, it allows um, the uh, local and public uh, entities is to mandate uh, for electric buildings to be able to, you know, adapt something in in, in addition to the building code kind of modify the building code a little bit. Yeah, so it means no gas lines for new developments. There's no gas lines even going to be put in, correct? Right, and as of 10, as of the 7th of this month, uh, it's 35 cities now, or municipalities, have adopted it. And some specifically say pool and spa, and some don't. So it's just a matter of interpreting each one. Which is complicated in itself. It is. But but for service guys, what it truly means for you is that for new developments, and I'm not sure if commercial is the same, Don, maybe you know, but for certainly residential, 
they're not even going to put in gas lines when they're building new developments. They're, they're expecting that your house and everything is going to run off electric. And that's the key to try to reduce the emissions in the state of California. Now, this is this is happening in California, but our, our guess is, and Don, you could correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is probably going to be adopted in other states as well. So this is going to become a national conversation in the future, but it's certainly more aggressive in California right now. Is that your understanding, Don? That is my understanding because California has adopted a zero net energy home. So I believe it was 2025 and I think they moved to 2045 now for um, all new homes or homes with a major remodel. They haven't really determined what the remodel dollar figure is. Have right. to be zero net energy, which means they have to produce as much as they use. And since you can't produce natural gas, you can't use natural gas. Right. The way I look at it. So they want everything to be solar. They they want uh, everything to be, you know, the, develop your own electricity and use your electricity. Right. And yeah. I think for us, you know, the big conversation in the service world is gas heaters, because that's where it may have the biggest impact on you in, in regards to, you know, servicing a pool. If you can't use a gas heater, that's pretty much what most people have been doing. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people using solar or other things out there, but the majority of folks have been using gas heaters. And the reason why we wanted to bring Don and Jeff on is to talk about heat pumps and other options for you. Um, I think that that's a really good conversation to have so that service guys know that there are some other options out there and we wanna be able to have them discuss that. And then um, Dave will you know, answer questions or ask questions, I should say, and if he has some concerns about it or, huh? I'm all, it's gonna be all asking today. I know. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. You can ask the questions that they're probably thinking when they're listening, Dave. So, so Don, I'm going to let you get started, or Jeff, whoever would like to get started. I just just talk about heat pumps and maybe, you know, it being an option uh, instead of a gas heater, and really how that works. And we'd love to hear it. Well, I'd like to let Jeff take over, and Jeff, kind of, if you can kind of explain how heat pumps work and just the technology involved. Sure, be happy to. So. Um, <clears throat> I've been in the industry, the HVAC industry, my whole life. It's all I've done. Um, I, I've been in the pool industry, but manufacturing an HVAC product, heat pumps. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll spend a, just a, a brief without getting into too technical as far as how a heat pump works and what it is. But swimming pool heat pumps, there's, there's not magic in these, in these products. It is a refrigeration system just the same as the water cooler in your hallway at the office is a refrigeration system or the refrigerator in your house, your air conditioner, your home air conditioner. They're all basically the same type of product. They, they operate basically the same way. They just have different goals, but they all do the same thing. Whether it's a swimming pool heat pump or your home air conditioner or water cooler, they use the mechanical process to transfer heat from some place where you don't want it or you don't need it to some place where you don't care or to where you do want it. So in the case of an air conditioning system for your home, we take using the refrigeration process, we take the heat out of the house and dump it outside in the outside air. The water cooler in the hallway takes heat out of the water and dumps it into the air in the hallway. A swimming pool heat pump just takes heat out of the air and transfers it into the pool water. All of these refrigeration devices have the same components. Uh, there's four basic key components for any refrigeration system. I won't get into those specifically at this time, but every system from the little water cooler in the hall to the biggest mall air conditioner down the street, 
all have the same components. They're just configured based on size or where, what are you transferring heat from, be it air or water? And what are you transferring heat to, be it air or water? So a swimming pool heat pump just operates basically the same way. We take heat out of the air, in, in our case, the outdoor air, and we transfer it to the swimming pool water using the refrigeration process. So we're not actually creating heat, we're simply transferring it from one place to another using refrigeration technology. Not new technology, um, no, no magical new parts in our particular product category. It's just a different application of a, of a very um, well-established and mature technology, refrigeration. From, from a service standpoint, uh, I've been around 30 years in Southern California and heat pumps here have never taken off. They've, they've never, nobody here or very few of us here know anything about heat pumps, the heat pump technology. One of the reasons from my perspective is I've, I've been curious about them and asked about them before, but actually the manufacturers have told me don't bother, the, they, don't, they don't work well here, you need hum, humidity in the air. So um, maybe you can address that a little bit. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy to. Um, you know, I, I don't know which manufacturers you've, you've asked about heat pumps and, and those that said they don't work here. No names. No names, that's fine. <laughs> but, but there are manufacturers of heat pumps that also manufacture gas heaters. And those particular manufacturers currently have the market share. And if heat pumps become a, a strong option in your particular region, there are 11 domestic heat pump manufacturers in the United States, including Aquacal and, and some of the bigger names that we know, and then some smaller names. But there are 11 that if heat pumps took off in California and California being the largest swimming pool market in the world would open up a lot of opportunities for that competition to come in. Some of these manufacturers don't see the value in that. They're selling gas heaters there now. They're happy to keep selling gas heaters. And as long as heat pumps don't catch on, those other eight or nine manufacturers that currently don't sell much in California will have the opportunity to do so. So there might be a vested interest in, in a particular manufacturer saying heat pumps don't work here. But the facts are that, that our third largest market in the United States is in the Arizona market. Um, Don, Dave, your comment about, well, they need humidity to operate. Well, there's, you know, you don't get much drier than, than Phoenix. Yeah. Yet we sell an awful lot of heat pumps in the Phoenix market. From AquaCal's perspective on the California market, uh, we have never put strong emphasis in trying to grow that market until just recently. And, and Don's addition to our team is, is one of those initiatives. But quite frankly, historically, heat pumps really kind of took off about 20 years ago in this market. I've been building heat pumps for pools for over 40 years, but it didn't really start catching on until about 20 years ago. And as an emerging product category, we were growing rapidly as a manufacturer. 20 years ago, we built about 4,000 heat pumps a year. This year, we're going to do over 30,000 heat pumps a year. And that's about half of the market uh, of heat pumps. There's a little over 60,000 heat pumps being sold in the United States a year. And, and I use the heat pump word generically. I'm talking about swimming pool heat pumps. 
there's a, a little over 60,000 being sold a year and AquaCal has a significant share of it. So if the system is properly designed for where it's going to be installed, it's properly sized and the homeowner understands what to expect out of the product, we can generate significant customer satisfaction with a swimming pool heat pump in a pool and a spa heating application. Heat pumps can take 50 degree air and generate 104 degree water. We, we do it all the time. Um, so there's, there are uh, great opportunities available. We've never focused strongly on the California market for, for two reasons. One, we were growing rapidly as it was and as a manufacturer, Growing 20, 25% a year is a real stretch, <laughs> a yes. real stretch. So we were somewhat limited in our efforts in pursuing the California market, at, for example, simply because we were already growing at a very fast pace that we're stretching our resources, both from capital, manpower, physical space, um, and then just skilled people to be able to go into a market like California and, and spend the amount of time required uh, delivering the expertise so that the, the industry understands the product and can then move that product to the homeowner. So, you know, and historically energy costs, especially electric costs in California have been very high uh, compared to the rest of the country. So there just, there wasn't a lot of interest coming out of California for, for the product. We were busy in other places and we're just kind of now turning our sights to the California market and that's motivated by this electrification process. It's, it's a great opportunity for us to, to get in the door. Well, that, so, I guess that, that's my question is, um, or my next question is, is what the world is going to look like when we, when we have to convert to things like heat pumps. Um, some of my customers pay upwards of 30 cents a kilowatt hour for, for electricity running running those things off the grid it seems like are going to be pretty expensive i mean what how much how much do they, they have to run the the time when you're going to want them is when the air is the coldest and i would assume that they have to run the most so you know what how how much energy do they use per hour um and and uh you know what are we looking at if we're going to add solar panels how how many panels do we need extra um, how, do, how do we factor this in? Well, you know, and it's just my, it's just my prediction, but, but it's based on some of the things I've seen, especially in the European market. Um, France, as an example, is, is the second largest swimming pool heat pump market in the world. Um, and, you know, they've, they've gone through a lot of the things. They don't have natural gas distribution in most of their residential areas, and, and LP gas is, is prohibitive from a cost point of view. Um, but they've adopted things, they, you know, it's the, the heat pump industry owns the heating market in France, and they've adopted additional steps to address some of the concerns that you have as far as cost of operation, um, uh, things like that. For, for instance, it's mandated in France that you have to cover your pool. If, you know, if you're going to heat your pool, you have to cover it. It's just the law. It actually got passed based on a safety issue. They're all safety covers. But by, by lucky coincidence, they also work as great heat retention devices. So they help an awful lot. But um, your, your question and point, Dave, was, was correct. As the air temperature gets cooler, the, the heat pumps will have to run more because we do take heat out of the air. As there's less heat in the air, 
the heater will have to run longer to achieve the same goal. Um, but the energy consumption also drops at a, at a similar rate. So as the heat output of the heater drops, so does the energy consumption. So again, getting back to properly sized, the system will heat a pool even in cooler weathers. One of the things we found in our 40 plus years of experience is, and this is, uh, let me call it typical. It's not everybody. There's no broad brush that will paint everybody in the same, in the same color. But the average pool owner, when a heat pump will not provide, excuse me, provide enough heat for a pool, the average pool owner doesn't want to swim anyways because it's too cold outside. The air and temperature we, is cold, yeah. Air temperature, right. And that's what affects the performance of the heat pump is the air temperature. And of course, it affects the heat loss on the pool. But again, properly sized, we can overcome that. Yes, our, we put out less heat and the pool needs more heat. But again, properly sized, we can overcome that. There is a point where the heat pump will not deliver enough heat to heat a given pool uh, in, in most cases. But as I said, we found typically that when it's that cool, people don't want to swim anyways. Even, even when the water's nice and warm, <coughs> water then becomes a real challenge. Um, climbing out of 84 degree water into a 50 degree air um, can be, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you clench, you'll clench your teeth into a, into a chatter real quick. So, and people just don't enjoy using their pools in those kind of weathers, the conditions. Right. So, you know, we found that generally most consumers and how they use their pools, the heat pump will work very well. From a cost point of view, we found in most markets that the utilities are pretty good at, at managing their pricing so there isn't a huge advantage to going electric or gas or even fuel oil. They've priced it to where when you're paying for a million BTUs, it's going to work out about the same, regardless of what energy that you use. So um, I think in the long run, it makes sense. In California's energy costs is high. They're, they're very, high. very, very high. Yes. Yeah. Right. But what, but what drives that that? Is it taxes or is it the actual cost of the energy? Mm, good point. Because, you know, here in Florida, our average KW cost is around 14 cents. And I know in California, it's easily double that in a lot of cases. Well, does electricity cost more in California or is it taxed? Um, if you've ever driven in Europe uh, a car, you know that you're going to pay $7 for a gallon of gasoline. Why is that so much more expensive than here in the States? it's taxes and fees that have been applied to that. So those taxes and fees aren't gonna go away. They're gonna just be transferred to whatever new energy source because our governments depend on those taxes and fees to operate. So it's, it's highly unlikely that a system's gonna be put into place that's gonna deliver great benefit to the consumer from a cost point of view. Now, from an, from a, uh, uh, an environment point of view from getting rid of carbon in the home, there's, there's great opportunities to improve. But the overall cost of our, of our energy is not going to go down. It's highly likely to go up in the future, again, based on taxes and, and fees. So yeah, you can say that I've put solar panels on my roof and I'm getting free electricity, but you made a major investment into those solar panels. And that has to be amortized out somewhere. Um, 
I'm, I'm fully in favor of it, but uh, I don't think there's a free ride on anybody's future when it comes to energy costs. So it really boils down to, you know, which energy is going to supply the cleanest environment for us going forward. And right now, I think the thought process is, or I know the thought process is on electrification, is that if we get all of these gas appliances out of the residential application, move the gas back to the power generation point where we can clean, scrub the emissions and control the impact on the environment, because that's not going to happen in people's backyards. Uh, Dave, you're in the service business. How many times do you do a preventive maintenance clean and check on a gas heater in somebody's backyard? Every six months. You push that to your customers or they, or do they call you and ask for that? Because well, we, my we, point we, being is the average customer doesn't address their pool equipment until it doesn't work. Right. And that's no, no different than your home air conditioning system. A lot of people don't address their home air conditioning systems until it fails to work. So the point about that with a gas heater is over time, it may have came out of the factory with an 86% efficiency rating, but if it's not maintained, cleaned, and serviced, you can see efficiency levels drop as low as to 40 and 50%. Yeah, so now the quickly. Yeah. So now the emissions that are coming out of that backyard go up dramatically from the manufacturer's original specifications. We typically measure our efficiency in COP when it comes to heat pumps. Now the Department of Energy has gotten involved in the swimming pool heat pump industry, which is, you know, anytime the government gets involved, it's a double-sided coin. But one of the things that they're pushing onto the heat pump industry is right now gas heaters are measured in thermal efficiency. And that just basically transmits into, if we talk about natural gas, for instance, there's 100,000 100, BTUs in a therm of natural gas. So if you have a, an 86% efficient gas heater, 86,000 BTUs are going into the water and the other 14,000 units of heat energy are going up the stack or uh, dumped into the atmosphere. And, uh, and that's that 86% efficiency rating is, is just, you know, the factory perfect. If the system isn't maintained in the field, very quickly, the efficiency rating of the gas heater will start to drop due to um, scale, due to uh, improper air fuel mixtures, things like that. So you can easily see a 40 or 50% efficiency rating, which means half of the energy that you're purchasing is just wasting up into the atmosphere. And, and contributing to pollution. So this is what these initiatives are geared towards as far as electrification is to get rid of that polluting appliance in the backyard, get that energy generation back to the power plant where they can scrub it, clean it, and make sure that we're not impacting the carbon uh, footprint. So with a heat pump, we are, we are measured in what's called COP, which stands for coefficients of performance. And it's, it's simply a measurement of how much energy did we put into the unit and how much energy did we get back out of it. And the Department of Energy has now gotten involved in the swimming pool heat pump industry and they're moving us towards what's called thermal efficiency. And that thermal efficiency is reflected in the gas heater as that 86% efficient. You put 100% capacity in you got 86% heat energy back out. COP basically is the same thing. We're measuring the uh, 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 electrical energy input into the heat pump, and then how much heat energy did we get back out? So 
to define COP, you really have to compare it to an electric resistance water heater, like an 11 kW pool heater or spa heater, or in the smaller spas, a little 1.5 electric heaters. But all of those electric resistance heaters are rated at 100% efficiency. So if you take one kilowatt of electricity and convert it into 100% heat energy, you'll get 3,412 BTUs. So one KWN equals one KW out or a COP of one. With a heat pump, if we put one KW in, we have COPs in the, a minimum of four and in some cases as high as seven. We now have variable speed heat pumps that maybe push that efficiency all the way up into the 10 COP. So one kilowatt of electric energy in can generate anywhere from six to 10 kilowatts of heat energy out. So it's a very efficient system as compared to electric energy. When we compare to gas, it gets back down to what is the cost of 100,000 BTUs. And that's gonna be driven by your local rates for, for natural gas or LP and what your local electrical rates are. Um, historically, we've always operated pretty close to about 75% efficient compared to LP gas. So will save you 75% uh, on your heating costs versus an LP gas heater. So with, with LP gas, we typically run about 75% of the cost of heating a, a body of water uh, with a heat pump versus an LP gas heater. Natural gas, we've typically historically been in the 50 to 60% savings range versus natural gas uh, compared to a heat pump. So there are, there are significant savings there. Historically, we've We've been more expensive from an upfront purchase price than, than a gas heater, but that has changed a lot in the last few years as efficiency demands from the Department of Energy were implemented to raise the overall efficiency level of gas swimming pool heaters, getting rid of standing pilots, things like that, improving their heat exchangers, pushing their efficiencies up above the 80% range. The cost of that appliance has gone up. Then... In other markets, the cost of bringing in a, in a gas line, when you combine the gas heater and the cost of bringing in the gas line, they were, they were just as expensive, if not more expensive than the heat pump. Now, in your situation with these cities, banning new gas lines, well, there's no option. There's no comparison there. So, uh, because they don't have the option of going to gas, it's really hard to compare the upfront cost. But if they were to buy a natural gas heater, they would be able to see savings somewhere in the 50% range versus uh, the heat pump. Uh, Can we talk about a spa application real quick? Because you mentioned that, you know, and when you say that the heat pumps wouldn't be effective at a certain temperature, obviously in Colorado, as an example, you know, we use hot tubs in the wintertime because even if it's really cold outside, it's snowing, you get out in your hot tub. Now, obviously it's probably not that cold in California, but in the mountain areas or whatever, is there, is there a possibility to be able to use a heat pump in cold temperatures? And if so, what does it take to heat it to 104 degrees? That, so that's kind of what I'm curious about. Well, for me, to, for me to, I think, effectively answer that, I need to step back a little bit and talk about how the heat pump works. So, okay. so we're, we're taking heat out of the air. And one of the things that happens is when you set a cold can of drink in a warm room or outdoors, it starts to sweat because heat is leaving the air surrounding the can. And the moisture in the air, humidity, is, is 
held there by heat content. So when you remove the heat content, the moisture will condense out of the air. It's why we have dew in the morning. The, the air temperatures fall to the point where it no longer is able to support the humidity that's in the air. So the excess moisture condenses out of the air and lands on the ground as dew. <clears throat> we get the same scenario with a swimming pool heat pump. As our heat exchanger is taking heat out of the air, it's also removing moisture. Happens to be one of the more common service complaints we get from homeowners after they get their first heat pump. My heat pump's got a leak. Well, it doesn't have a leak here in Florida because we do have high condensation, uh, high humidity levels. We can remove as much as eight to 10 gallons of moisture an hour out of the air. The way we handle that is it just runs out of the bottom of the unit and runs on people's grounds and it looks like they, they've got a leak, but it's, it's just the process of, of taking moisture out of the air as you remove heat out of the air. Your home air conditioning system does the same thing. You've got a, you've got a little PVC line coming from your indoor part of your air conditioning unit running outside and there's a constant drip when you're running your air conditioning system of moisture that's been removed from the air. So as the air temperature gets colder, we have to continue to lower our working temperature of our heat exchanger. So we keep removing heat from the air. At some point, and it's typically around 40 degrees depending upon the design of the system, but at some point that moisture will actually start to freeze on our heat exchanger and become frost. Now heat only units, and I'll, I'll get to what I mean by heat only units here in a minute, but the standard swimming pool heat pump is a heat only system and heat only units will eventually just turn themselves off in those colder air temperatures because we actually start to build enough frost on our heat exchanger that air can't flow over it anymore. When that happens, there can be some real mechanical problems that go wrong with a heat pump if you keep operating it that way. You, you, know, some, you know, some of us are old enough to remember having to defrost our, our refrigerator freezers you know, by turning it off and maybe using an ice pick to knock the ice off the inside. Now all of our refrigerators have automatic defrost systems. But it's the same process. As you remove heat out of the air, that moisture builds up on the walls of the heat exchanger. And at some point in time, you've got to get rid of that ice or frost. Our refrigerators go into a defrost mode heat only swimming pool heat pumps just simply turn themselves off. So to your question, Michelle, if you're in, in, a, in a very cold climate and I get it, I mean, there's nothing better than sitting in a hot tub surrounded by snow. It's cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the standard heat pump won't handle that job. Because- Electric heaters in that case. Right, you're gonna run an electric heater or a gas heater or something mm. like that. Now, if you can't run a gas heater, you only have one choice and that's a straight electric heater. The most inefficient way to heat water is a straight electric heater, but it'll do it, you know, anytime, any, <clears throat> any weather conditions, any situation. Now, we developed over 20 years ago, and, and again, it wasn't new technology, but we developed what we called a hot gas defrost heat pump. So <clears throat> in your home, you know, and that's, a, that's a, I, to digress just a little bit, you know, Dave, your point that heat pumps don't work in, in California. Do people use heat pumps for their homes in California? For heating and cooling the space inside the home? No, not typically. They don't use them out here. No, some areas in the mountains where they're using them and some areas where people... They use, well, they use swamp coolers in, in some, like in the Central Valley and 
a, a little mm -hmm. north of here. They're not too popular in Southern California, but. Okay, well, yeah, and a swamp cooler works very well where you have low humidity. Now, if you're concerned about water usage, swamp coolers eat up a lot of water because they're removing heat through the evaporation process. And what are you evaporating but water? So, you know, there's, there's no free ride. You're going you're gonna to pay for something some way or the other, whether it's energy cost or water cost or, or whatever. But at any rate, as the air temperatures begin to fall and we build this ice on our heat exchanger, our hot gas defrost system notices that and manages it. So about once every hour, the system will literally reverse cycle. So instead of being in the heating mode, the, the pool heater will go into the cooling mode. And what that does, again, trying to keep this fairly non-technical, is it just rapidly melts all the ice off of the, uh, the heat exchanger and allows the heat pump to then go back to collecting heat out of the air, even in below freezing conditions. So we can generate heat at a very efficient level compared to electric heat and or gas heat, even below freezing conditions. Will we generate enough heat to heat your spa? That's a sizing issue, and that has to be handled by our sales reps like Don on a case-by-case on a -case basis until the contractor has a good understanding of, in this application, this is the size heater I need. But in those cold weather operations, you have to have a hot gas defrost system. And, there, and most manufacturers don't manufacture hot gas defrost heat pumps. It's a much more challenging uh, technical design process um, and, and most, most manufacturers don't supply it. I've mentioned there's 11 domestic manufacturers of heat pumps in the United States. I think there are three of us that actually manufacture hot gas defrost systems designed to operate in that below 40, 45 degree range to operate at cooler temperatures. You know, I, I'll be honest, you know, and I've, and I've always said this, there is a place for gas heaters. Now, this conversation kind of excludes that because you've got cities and municipalities that are saying, no, there is not going to be any gas heaters. But I have always said, an example like you brought up, Michelle, if you're, if you're you know, in the mountains of Colorado and you want to heat a hot tub, go buy a gas heater. I mean, can I do it with my heat pump? Sure. It's going to take a lot longer than, than they like. Um, and then and they're not going to be happy with it. Um, for most of our markets, that's that's not a challenge. So to your point, Michelle, I don't sell many heat pumps in the mountains of Colorado. <laughs> I hear you. Not yet. Not yet. I'm working not on it. <laughs> but well, what how long does it take though, just in California? Like let's say it's 60 degree weather, you know, how long does it take to heat a spa up to 104? If you know, again, that de depends on the size of the spa. But and what temperature it's already at now, yeah. So typically, typically, it's if a gas heater can do it in in, in 30 minutes, we can do it in 90 minutes. I see. Okay. I would say that's fair. I, I gotta, Dave, I've did got, you have a question? I'm sorry, Dave. Yes. This, I, I mean, I'm actually trying to think about what life is going to be like because eventually, we're going to reach a point where we can't replace our gas heaters and, and they're, they're, we're going to have to make this conversion. I have uh, a 73,000 gallon pool uh, on, it's a hilltop property. It's about 800 to 1,000 square feet of surface area and it has a vanishing edge facing the canyon. Uh, about 
50, 60 feet of vanishing edge. Um, right now, they're using three uh, 400,000 BTU, 96% efficient heaters. And he heats the pool to 90 degrees when he swims. And he, he does that from early spring until mid-October, 1st of November, when the air temps just get too cool. Uh, and then he wants to fire it up again over the holidays and heats it back up. So, uh, and it has about a 2,200 gallon spa and he does use that year round. And that has, that has a, a separate system, one of the heaters um, we overflow it into the pool when he's heating the pool, but it also one of those heaters is 400,000 BTUs heats the spa whenever he wants to use it. So what is life going to look like for this customer when the gas heaters are gone? He and a lot of other people are going to go through a lot of changes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, a, a short editorial, the, the recent, and, and I love the looks of pools. I love infinity edges. I love spillovers. I love waterfalls. But if you're going to heat, heat that same body of water, it's the absolute worst design you could come up with. They're visually beautiful. They're terribly in, in, energy inefficient, especially when it comes to, to heating. I have been pushing for a long time with the advent of, of infinity edges and things like that, that you have to have a separate plumbing system. So you can turn those, those features off while you're trying to heat the body of water because as water is spilling over that infinity edge or tumbling down a waterfall, it's being aerated. And there's no better way to cool water off than to aerate it. That's what a swamp cooler does. It, air, it, it, it runs the water over a, a membrane and it blows air through it and it cools it off. It's a very effective way of dissipating heat. So customers like that are going to, their lifestyle is going to have to change because he really only has two alternatives. He puts in a heat pump or he puts in resistance electric heat. Now the resistance electric heat uh, is going to cost him four, five, six times in cost of operation of what a heat pump would do. But it's going to be a lot cheaper to buy that electric heater. It's just going to cost him an arm and a leg to use it. The heat pump will cost him a lot more but will cost him to, to purchase, but a, a lot less to operate. Um, but that's a, you know, in, in our world, that, that pool you just described, Dave, is a commercial project. Um, we don't yeah, build- yeah, that, And that's true. Everything about this pool is, is, is commercial grade equipment, pretty much. Um, you have three phase power on the property? Yes. Okay, because we do make commercial heat pumps. We make heat pumps as large as a half a million BTUs but they all are three phase. So our typical residential customer can't have access to that larger unit. But if you have three phase power, then we can put a half a million BTUs in one heat pump on, on a job site. I think our largest job site to date with that unit is, is 10 units. It's doing a, a Disney pool in Orlando. So it's, it's very high volume. And, and because you know, they're, they're treating their residential guests to a warm pool, uh, they, they use it all the time. Um, so it is possible to, to address those type of jobs. I would think the homeowner would, would look at ways, how do I conserve energy rather than just switch from where do I get my energy from? Right. So being, 
being able to turn off these water features is a key design aspect that pool builders are going to have to look at going forward because they're terrible energy users. They just, they're just awful. They're beautiful, but they're just awful when it comes to energy consumption. Um, so, you know, you've brought it up a couple of times, Dave. What's, what's the future going to look like? It's going to be very different. It, you know, we're going to see more conservation efforts, covers, better insulation, maybe lower temperatures. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to see alternative methods of, of putting the heat into those bodies of water, like a, like a swimming pool heat pump. But we manufacture a geothermal heat pump, which is not tied to air temperature. It's tied to the energy stored in the earth. And um, you're seeing that type of technology grow rapidly in the heating and air conditioning industry. I think last year, the Department of Energy stated that we're over 60,000 geothermal residential heat pump systems installed. Now, these are, these are big upfront expenses because you're basically burying a heat exchanger in the ground, taking the heat out of the ground and transferring it to wherever you want that heat to go. But they're very efficient and they're not affected by air temperature. So in some of these applications, Dave, I see that that's probably a good alternative for, for some of these um, customers that have real high demand and an air source heat pump may struggle to, to supply their needs. So geothermal is, is a, an opportunity. And a geothermal heat pump doesn't work really any differently than our air source units. It's just we're getting our heat from, from the ground and transferring it to the pool water. We call these units water to water heat exchangers. So instead of moving heat from the air to the water, we're taking heat out of water or, or the ground that has water flowing through it and transferring it to the pool. Those units aren't affected by air temperature. So if you buy a, a half a million BTU geothermal heat pump, it's always gonna produce a half a million BTUs, whether it's 30 degrees outside or, or 90 degrees outside. So those systems carry a significant advantage over the air source units, but there's an upfront cost. It's, it's kind of similar to the photovoltaic systems. They carry great advantages, but there's a significant upfront cost to be able to access that technology. Um, so one of the, Jeff, let me jump in. One of the uh, variations to that is we have a, we call our sun power unit, which there's, we feel there's going to be a lot of pool spa combos sitting out there where people may not necessarily want to use their pool all the time, but they want to use their spa and they can't, their gas heater's gone. They can't get a new gas line. So what are they going to do? So we actually have a unit that will extract the heat out of the body of water. So where Jeff was talking about using the groundwater or water source, we're actually using the pool water as our water source. We're extracting water out of that source, heating that and heating the spa so we can get the spa to 104. As long as we have what Jeff, 50 degree pool water, we can, we can pull that out. Well, actually we can go cooler than that, but yeah, we rated it uh, one of our rating points for that unit is 50 degrees, but it's, you know, we can, we can go lower than that as well, but typically pools probably don't fall much below 50 in, in your market. So as long as, you know, so that's a, a water to water heat transfer process. We're taking heat out of the pool and transferring it to the spa. It's very efficient, it's very effective. Typically, you know, pools are very good solar collectors. They're just a big flat surface and the sun's beating down on them. Typically, there's enough solar energy being put into a pool per day to easily heat the same residence's spa. 
without actually affecting the pool temperature. So it's not like we're going to continue to pool, uh, cool the pool down while we heat the spa. Um, day to day, the typical customer wouldn't see a change in their pool temperature. If they're heating their pool with solar systems, that's even better. They're taking free heat that they put into the pool. And we're just using a little bit of energy to move some of that heat out of the pool into the spa. And that's, and that will work as Don made, made the point in any condition, any climate, as long as you've got probably somewhere in the 40 degree plus water temperatures. Right. Dave, what other questions do you have? That was the big one. Um, a couple of comments about that. It, it, the, somebody who spends literally hundred to Three hundred thousand dollars on a glass tile job and, and a beautiful vanishing edge wall, and uh, they're not going to like any of those answers that we have. They <laughs> they want both. They want everything. They they, they want to be able to enjoy the beauty of the pool. Want to be able to heat it to whatever temperature they want when when they want it. And this is a small percentage of the actual pools out there, but they're you know it's also uh, kind of the uh, a financial driving force in the industry there there's a lot of money concentrated on on these type of pools right and so um i i uh well i hope we can continue to look for answers geothermal might be a really good and it might be we have to look at combinations of yeah. um uh, of uh replacements <laughs> for gas heaters solar <laughs> geothermal and yeah and, and don't don't negate the the effective retention we need to do a better job of holding the heat that we've paid to put into our water it's not going to happen with this pool i promise you well there are, <laughs> there, are those, there are those customers that have more money than you know what but yeah you know most of our customers are going to have to modify or likely will modify their usage patterns to some degree they may switch from heating their pool and spa to we're only going to heat the spa and we're going to heat that regular and maybe we'll heat the, the pool on somebody's birthday or Christmas or something like that. So there's going to be some modification in use. I think there should be some modification in design. We should be able to turn these water features off. Well, no, you know, why, why have an infinity edge or a waterfall running all day long when nobody's there to look at it? Let me answer that for you. Okay. A uh, big problem with vanishing edge walls is tiles popping off the outside wall because of temperature differential. Mm -hmm. And because the water in the pool is 80 degrees, but the sun beating down on the vanishing edge wall, it can get 150 degrees or more. Yeah. And so we keep the vanishing edges running when the sun is beating on them because of that. We have to cool that wall in, in order to protect the tile. Well, and the, I, other, the other thing is a scaling issue. Okay, I, I, I get that, but there's a trade-off then. You, you can do those things and prevent tiles from popping off, but you've taken the cost of energy and, and this is a really hard thing to measure. How much, how much ener energy does a 50-foot vanishing edge lose or, or a 12-foot uh, waterfall? But our experience, and because Technically, there is science behind this, but it is so complicated and, and the ability to actually measure what you need to understand to calculate the heat loss is just about impossible. Our experience says that with an infinity edge pool, 
covering the length of, of one side of the pool in, in Florida, let's say that's 30 feet, your heat usage goes up by a factor of four to five times. So it boils down to, do you wanna come up with an alternative method of, of surfacing that infinity, infinity edge so you don't have tiles popping off? Or do you wanna pay five times more for the energy that you're using to keep that cool? <laughs> I, it, it just, as I said, I think there's, you know, these changes are going to, uh, these changes in the energy efficiency uh, codes and things like that are gonna drive a lot of changes in our industry. I know you, you say it, you know, maybe that one customer, it won't happen with Dave, but I've watched this over the last 40 years in Europe change the entire industry because the local government said, we are going to be energy efficient. And they did that by raising the, the taxes on energy. So as people started paying more and more energy for energy, they started making different decisions. They build smaller pools, they cover them, um, and, and they do things like turn off water features when they're not being observed because all you're doing is wasting energy. If someone's not looking at it and going, oh, how pretty, then what value does it have? Other than, as you said, maybe keeping the infinity wall cooler. But there's other, there's other solutions to that problem than spending four or five times the amount of energy that you need to, to heat that pool. Well, another point of contention in the pool industry among service technicians is pool covers and having to deal with taking them on and off for the customer. And so you may have an, a mob of angry poolmen at your door pretty soon too. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not them though. It's not Aquacal doing it. It's the, it's the regulations that are doing that. They have to show up at the Capitol building is where they should show up. Right. They have a problem, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, if, if, if setting aside heat pumps, you know, there, you get into this, you get into this conversation of, of, are we being smart with the energy that right. we consume? And, and I think it's not even that, just, just that, Jeff. It's the fact that, and Dave and I talk about this all the time on this podcast, is it's doing, the, doing what they've always done. The thought, pro changing the way you do things. And Dave and I pr promote this all the time. And I think, Dave, this may be one good you know, area and that may yes. be the case. We may have to change the way we're doing things in the service industry. And, and unfortunately we're being forced to do that if there's regulation, but maybe there's a way to change the way we're doing things where there can be some efficiencies made here as far as energy is concerned. And we just have to know, I guess for me, where, where would someone go, Jeff and Don, if they want to learn more, you know, as far as, a, you know, the technology itself, do you guys do training courses on your products? I mean, where do they go to learn more about your particular products? So they can, they can come to me um, if you okay. want. I can give you my phone number or they can reach me anytime they want. Well, they can find you. They can find you on LinkedIn or on your website, Don. Is that correct? Correct. They can find me on LinkedIn or website. Um, we're, and, we're generating, uh, excuse me, Don, we're generating new videos all the time on okay, good. trainings and you'll find those on our website. Some of them address the technology and how it works. Some of them address the application of the technology. So Perfect. They need to, people need to do that. They need to go and learn more. And it's aquacal. Is it aquacal.com? It is. Yes. Okay. I think that's important day for them to go out and maybe learn some more. You know, they're not, not going to get everything from this one podcast episode, but I think if they're interested and I think builders have to do it too, especially in California, 
when they're designing pools and specking things in, I mean, that I have an incident that just happened. I think, Don, I told you, you were involved in that in Santa Monica, where a builder was trying to spec in a gas heater. And they basically, the city of Santa Monica said, no, we've already adopted this REACH code. You can't put in a gas heater. And I think, Don, you were talking to them or you're working with the city, I'm not sure, in trying to help that builder um, put in a different option. That's an example. This is real world application here. That's a perfect example of it is going to affect builders and service guys in the state of California for these areas that have adopted REACH codes. Now, as CPSA, we've been trying to we've been trying to fight against the decarbonization stuff, not because we're against the environment, but because we feel like they don't take all considerations in when they're making these decisions quickly. We are absolutely for the environment, but but you need to look at the different things. If there's not a viable options out there, at least if people are not aware of what those viable options are, most of the builders and service guys aren't even aware of what the other options are besides gas heaters. So this is what we're hoping this particular podcast episode will start people thinking about other options out there and going out and learning more if you have an interest and, and figure, you know, contact Don. So my email address is D-O-N-T, Don T, or don't, at aquacal.com, A-Q-U-A-C-A-L.com. And my direct phone number where they can reach me at is area code 951-445-6667. I'm available every day of the week if they have a question if they're talking with a homeowner if anybody ever says that heat pumps don't work in california then call me and i will give them examples of heat pumps that do work in california right i'll be able to and and that's a lot of my job too is education i, yeah. I was a pool builder i was c53 myself not doing pools right now however i didn't know a lot about heat pump technology because that's not what was being sold to me and so if I would have known then what I know now, I could have saved my customers, uh, given them more efficient way of heating their pool. I, um, I, I will say as a piece of, of prediction or advice that, that setting aside the conversation of heat pumps, the pool industry is going to change a lot. And it's gonna start in California because in, in many cases, California has been excellent at, at being the tip of the spear on a lot of these types of issues. But things are going to change a lot in this industry. I can tell you that I've, I've heard enough from the Department of Energy in Washington that their concern about people heating their pools is not even on their radar screen. They could care less. They think it's a, a luxury item that's enjoyed only by the rich, and they're not going to be too open to um, changes in their initiatives to address decarbonization. Um, so I, I think our industry is in for a lot of changes. As I said, I've, I've watched the, the France market for 40 years now. It is so dramatically different than what it was 40 years ago, all because of energy consumption. Pools are smaller. They're, they're much more uniform in shape. So automatic rollout covers are easier to install and, and use. Um, and and I, I just can't see a future where we don't have that same type of change coming at us. Whether we try to get with a heat pump or a gas heater or electric heater, those things are going to come. All you have to do is follow the money. I mean, we say that about everything, but if you follow the money, where, you know, what's going to happen? And um, there are going to be customers that, that uh, the customer you described, Dave, that don't care about money. They've got all they need and they'll spend it to get what they want. But that's, those aren't 
the bulk of our customer base. The bulk of our customer base is Mr. and Mrs. Smith going to work every day, coming home and wanting to relax in their pool or their hot tub. And things are going to change for them. And we've got to figure out how to make it as seamless, yeah, yeah. Seamless and as like as it is today as possible tomorrow. But that's not going to be entirely possible. There are going to be changes. You heat, you heat your spa with a heat pump, it's going to take a little longer than a gas heater. That was a, that was a resistance in the state of Florida early on. But people have learned that, okay, you know what? I can deal with 90 minutes versus paying you know, $300 a month for gas versus $100 a month for a heat pump. So we, we have to embrace those changes and recognize they're going to come. And, and another thing is now with the new technology that we have with our controllers, most people have automation or they have some type of controller on there. And if they don't, we actually have our own control where somebody did, knows they want to heat their spa, they can turn it on on their way home from work while they're sitting in LA traffic and they can turn it on. And our heat pumps will work with the other uh, manufacturers uh, controllers as well. Yeah. Um... That's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah. You know, as I said, I think things are going to change. People's usage patterns are going to change a little bit, but the heat pump can fill a niche. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've always been uh, a, a proponent of there are applications where gas makes sense. And we push people in that direction because ultimately what we're all looking for is a happy customer. And if, if we push our product onto a customer just because we want to make a sale, but we know they're not gonna be happy with the results. We're not doing anybody any favors. So, uh, but you know, what's going on in California is gonna change that conversation because the gas just isn't an option. And that's why I'm saying we're gonna to have to embrace change. You know, our consumers are gonna to have to embrace change. We're gonna to have to build pools differently than we have in the past. And we're gonna to have to maintain them a little bit differently than we have. Uh, there, there's just no getting around it. Heat pumps are one way of, of addressing that. We have a very wide product range. We have the commercial units. We have the geothermal units. We introduced a variable speed heat pump, which has tremendously high efficiency levels, but it also takes into account that somebody might want to heat a spa. So you can hit a boost button and, and the unit will run at full speed and, and heat the spa as quickly as possible. In other applications, the same unit will slow down and, and, and only run as fast as it absolutely needs to, thus generating a lot of energy savings. So we have a, a wide range of products to address the varying needs, um, but not all. Uh, there just there just aren't good answers for Some all things. Yeah. Based on- So let me ask Don a question. So Don, how do you respond to somebody who says, the reason you're saying all you're saying is because you're just trying to sell heat pumps? So I wanted Don to address that because you might get the phone calls from folks. You know, like I said, I think service guys are, you know, hesitant to do things that they haven't done before. And this is right. probably a new thing that they haven't done before for the majority of them, especially in California. So what do you say to those folks who may be hesitant saying, yeah, Don and Jeff, you're saying all those things because you just want to sell heat pumps. For sure we want to sell heat pumps. <laughs> we wouldn't argue that. Basically, <laughs> so it really boils down to education. Yes. Look, as, like I just said, as a pool builder, I didn't know about the heat pump technology. I know it now. And the best conversation I like to have with people when they say heat pumps don't work. And they say, well, 
this manufacturer said the heat pump doesn't work and that manufacturer said the heat pump doesn't work. And I'll, I like to say, you're right. Their heat pumps don't work, but our heat pumps do work. And I like to explain <laughs> why our heat pumps work because we do have the, we do have the hot gas defrost. We have the abilities to heat in, 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 in lower air ambient temperatures. And we yeah. do have the ability with our variable speed to take an energy that's here Okay, and actually almost cut that in half. So they're using half as much energy to heat the same amount of body of water. So we do have the technology and I do like having those conversations. So. Yeah, and you've seen it work in the field, obviously both Jeff and Don, you've seen that uh, it actually work and you're not just saying it just cause you're trying to sell heat pumps. No, I, I, actually, I actually have names of people that have given me their, their phone number. Yes. Anybody says they don't work, tell them to call me. <laughs> and if they didn't work, my biggest thing is if they didn't work in California, we wouldn't be selling them in California and we wouldn't be back ordered in California because people really need heat pumps and, and, and the technology is there and we're, we're going. Yeah, we're going we fast. thousands of heat pumps every year into the Southwest United States market, which includes Texas and Arizona, which are the real significant pool populations. It's growing rapidly. One of the things that is very popular in those two markets, and I'm sure it would be popular in some of your markets as well, is the ability for us to chill the water. So I had mentioned earlier that we have this hot gas technology that, that allows us to manage that defrosting on the, on the unit by going into a reverse cycle. Well, that just makes, basically means it's going into a chilling mode. So we're taking yeah. heat out of the water. And those have become extremely popular in, in Texas and parts of Arizona where people say, I don't care about heating my pool. I want to cool it down. It hits 96 degrees. And we, right. have, we have the ability to do that as well. So yeah, we want to sell heat pumps, but we sell thousands of heat pumps in Arizona. They do work. We just, we, you know, we just haven't really put the effort into the, the California market that, that it deserved. And uh, we're now- And now taking, you are, right. Now yeah. we're taking that opportunity to do that. Dave, so you have, yeah, Coachella, so we probably, go ahead, go ahead, Don. In the Coachella Valley, in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area, we saw a lot of our heat cool units. The, the homeowners, they, they use it to heat their pool in the wintertime, but in the summertime, they just put it in cool mode and now they're cooling their pool down. And so they just, just a matter of reprogramming the time of day that they run it and how for many hours, and they actually can do that. And we also have, as Jeff mentioned, we also make it straight chiller. There are a lot of cold plunge pools now are becoming very, very popular, especially in Southern California. And people want to get into a 45 degree pool or a 50 degree pool. I'm not getting there. I'm not doing it, <laughs> but they want that. And we actually have standalone chillers that actually will chill only. So they don't have to worry about heating their, their pool. Uh, they, they're just plain chillers that work on the same technology. There's all, nothing that sounds more horrible than jumping into a 45 degree pool. Oh, it's not as bad as you think if you've been setting up a 140 degree stock for 20 minutes, then the, the 45 Then jump in. in. That's supposed to help your muscles and all that, right? Is this for sports people, sports and all that? Yeah, aesthetic recovery. We, yeah. We've done a lot of sports facilities to date. With Which makes sense. You know, when we exercise, we generate, I think, was it lactic acid or something in our muscles right. that drive that out. And chilled water does that much more effectively than hopping into a hot tub. Yeah. So the, a lot of sports facilities and universities around the country have, have taken on chillers 
and, and put in cold plunges. So it's the next big thing. <laughs> Dave, do you have any final thoughts before we exit for the day? Uh, this is my first foray into this into this topic, and it's been enlightening. It's yes. left left us all with a lot to think about. I think it's something that we need to continue to revisit. But it it is also something that, um, like variable speed pumps, like alternative sanitizers, like a, a lot of things that are um, becoming more and more necessary and, and uh, almost requirements with pools, this is going to be one of them. And this is going to, you know, this is a conversation we need to have. And it, it's uh, something that as pool service technicians, we need to get in front of this and learn as much as we can about it now. Yep. Well, I completely I, I, agree. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, we're as at AquaCal, we're, we're proud of the accomplishments that we've, we've achieved in the, in the last 20 some odd years. And we welcome the opportunity to, to help our customers, the pool contractor and service specialists, work through the changes that are coming at you. And, and we may not have every answer that you need from a, from a heating or chilling point of view, but we will be able to tell you the best place, best direction to go and help you get there. So. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you guys coming on today. This has been enlightening, as Dave said. I think a lot of service guys, when they listen to this, will have more questions. So as Don mentioned, you can absolutely contact him. His email is on the screen, but he did say it's Don T or don't. I kind of like that. It's easy to remember, Don. Don't at aquacal.com. And he has a phone number as well that he provided. If you have additional questions, and Dave and I really promote learning more. You, you know, the more you know in regards to these types of options, the better you can serve your customers, and especially in the California market where it may, be, it may be something you have to do in the future, knowing more about these types of things and these options available to you is only gonna help you be better at your job. So thank you so much. We appreciate you being on today. We thank hope you, you have a wonderful us. day. Thank, thank you for having us and I welcome all phone calls. We, we all look right. to, to working uh, with, with uh, the California market to try and navigate the path forward. Yes. Okay. Thanks so much. We appreciate Thank it. You. All right. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast. Backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.